Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I am Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And today we have a special guest, so we're going to jump right into it. Long-time listener, first-time podcast guest. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Mark, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on, uh, Tasha and Josh. I'm Mark Artixon, and I'm one of Tasha's agents at Gersh. Yes, you are. Yeah, I'm here. She she got me to do. It only took what, like two years, three years? I've, I don't know. I've been afraid to to invite you because I felt like it needed to be the right time, the right thing, the right questions in my head. And yes. Now I'm ready, and I feel like this is going to be a series with Mark Artixon if he's willing. Because I told you, <laughs> oh, Mark, gosh. I have like all these additional <laughs> hard hitting questions questions for you because honestly I mean as you probably are aware most of writers questions besides sort of craft things are how do you get an agent and what is an agent and how how now that I have an agent how do I maximize my agent right like how do I work with them so that we feel like a team um so like all of those questions will eventually come up but not in this episode Sure. Not in this episode. Yes, I, I told Tasha I, I volunteered and laid down on the track to do a multi-parter, um, <laughs> which you know, Mark. Uh, I said, look, there's so much to being an agent and Hollywood that, you know, it can't all possibly be in one episode. So tune in in 2025 for <laughs> the next installment. This is... I'm so excited. I, I always love meeting people that are attached to Tasha so I can poke and pry and find out if she's as bad as everyone doesn't know she is. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I'm, I'm kidding. No, but this is this is great. I, I think we awesome. should start with Mark's origin story, like how you even got into Holly to begin with. This is how we start with everyone. Wow. Um, yes. So I've been at Gersh for 13 years uh, this month. So it's been been a stretch. Congratulations. And um, thank you. Thank you. And Origin grew up in Florida, went to Syracuse where I did TV, TRF, t television, radio, film, and history. And um, then didn't want to go to LA, like many of our, our listeners, I'm sure, were like, no, no, New York or bust. <laughs> so I moved to New York where I quickly found a lot of unpaid work um, and ended up uh, interning during the day for a producer on the feature side doing some development and working at night uh, for Good Morning America. Mm. So I did that for two um, very painful years where I didn't sleep uh, much, but I got a daytime Emmy out of it. Oh, so Mark, that. I did not know this about it's you. A, see, I told you there'd be secrets. <laughs> there'd be secrets that are coming out. That's so, so cool. Yes. So so I'll, I'll never have one again, but this is uh, the one I got. That's it's it's near bar mitzvah age at this point. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's hanging in. But um, did you? But I worked, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. No, go ahead. Did you know yeah. when you were going through film school what you wanted to do? What part of radio film? No and TV? idea. I knew I knew I wasn't a writer, and I knew that I had interest in the producing side, the business side, and possibly the directing side. And that's sort of like without any other research but the theoretical and the academic. And then New York kind of kicked me in the face um, with um, you know only doing some production and some indie film there and or news or daytime TV. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a couple of years and then still coming out to Hollywood, um, which I did in about 2010, it was still like, uh, what do I do? Where do I go? Um, I, how do I parlay this experience working at, you know, the, Dis the Walt Disney company and ABC news into what? And mm -hmm. everybody said, well, now you have to go into a mailroom. And I was like, Diane Sawyer was just yelling at me yesterday. Why do I have to go into a mailroom? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So um, I ended up working in Unscripted for, you know, a year 
uh, which was its own kind of experience. And then from there, um, got a job at Gersh. And how I got that job was networking, begging, pleading, uh, running around town, uh, just asking, hey, do you know anybody at an agency? Do you know anybody leaving an agency? Do you know anybody how to get into an agency? And finally, I found someone that knew someone that was leaving and I got a desk. Wow. So at that stage, you knew you wanted to move into, you'd done production stuff, you'd done indie film. You're like, I want to get into the agency side. It was more or less, I want to get into something that is scripted television and film. And I didn't know if I was going to remain as an agent or segue from working at an agency to the production side. But I found myself um, at an agency where I... I was fired off a desk in two weeks um, <laughs> because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't go through the mailroom and they were like, here, you're an assistant to two agents. Yeah. Um, so I was, I, that lasted about two weeks. And then from there, uh, there was a TV lit desk. I worked for a below the line agent. And then from there uh, into the feature department as a coordinator. And it was sort of a wonderful mentor who convinced me on the business side of Hollywood that an agent could quote, take Hollywood's money the longest mm -hmm. than in a career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I saw a lot of people who came through the agency, became creative executives, became producers, and a lot of them are tremendously successful and have very, very great careers, but also the rate of attrition is very high. And this was a way where you have currency in your clients, have currency in your relationships, are, you're very entrepreneurial, and you're not kind of betting the farm on a slate of projects or mm -hmm. one or two movies or television shows that have to hit or you don't. Right. So I stayed. That's a really good story. I have follow-up questions. Yeah, sure. Do you miss the development side of things or was that something that was never a super passion of yours anyways, that this other piece like kind of fills that hole anyways? The, the itch is satisfied as a lit agent where some clients, not so much you, Tasha, but some clients um, who are who are prolific as as spec writers who who have a lot of original material have things where I could give notes and I could be part of that development process and it's not necessarily um, page by page and ten drafts but it could be a couple drafts and it could be more in the you know ideation stage or logline stage or treatment stage um, hear a lot of practice pitches so I think that it's the creative angle is you know there it's just a different type of access. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I want to get into that part, but uh, I feel like yes. I want to ask something else first, but Josh looks sure. like he wants to say no, something. No, go, go, go. I was just going to ask basically what a lit agent does for people who don't know, or for people who have an agent who's just not working for them. <laughs> like what, and can you yeah. define what a lit agent does? Sure. And, and look, I think a lot of the roles are malleable based on experience and agency and who you represent and who you want to represent and and your own business. But what a lit agent should be doing is providing access for a writer, a writer director or a director to the marketplace. Meaning if you have a spec script, if you have a uh, pitch to take out for television, if you have a pilot to take out for television, the lit agent's job, like any agent really within an agency or system, is to propel your projects, your voice, your business out to producers, buyers, networks, whomever to either sell or go after projects for you to work on proactively. So, and by the way, lit agent is kind of a funny term because there's, I'm a motion picture lit agent, but I deal with film and television. There are television literary agents, there are publishing agents, there are 
you know, IP slash book to film agents. All of that is kind of under the umbrella of lit agent. Um, and all of those people do different things at different speeds with different amounts of clients. The overreaching theme is that your agent is working on your behalf to get your work out there, get you employed, get you money, yeah. negotiate deals. I was, I was actually going to ask that if, if there's kind of been this blending of worlds because there's like motion picture lit agents and then there's television, like, has there been this gray area of like, well, there's streaming services, so I'm going to represent you for like the streaming service for a film. For sure. Yeah. 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 And I mean, especially in the past few years, like I haven't been doing this for decades, but a decade. And even in that short amount of time, it's changed so dramatically where when I started, it was very bifurcated that TV lit agents did only TV. They had, they staffed people, they booked episodic directors, feature lit agents only did, you know, if you're selling a feature spec or if you're going out in the marketplace looking for feature open writing assignments. Now, every feature writer, um, to I'm sure a lot of pure television writers chagrin, started writing in television. We're selling original ideas. We're, we're selling shows. We're writing in rooms. We're um, you know, bridging that gap between the two mediums. And especially in the past couple of years with peak TV, um, mm. <laughs> it became that you had to. You, you had to and that the feature marketplace contracted and changed a little bit. And if you were a writer, you, should, you need to be working in both. Hmm. So you had to educate yourself in both. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a yeah. motion picture and television agent? Now? I do. I do. While I tell everybody I don't, and that we can get into how this works in a, on a day-to-day in terms of the job description, but I cover for the feature department, meaning that I cover you know, feature studios. So I don't cover staffing for job opportunities. So that doesn't mean I don't have clients who are on staffs, and it doesn't mean I don't represent clients who are showrunners. It just means that my day-to-day is I cover Universal, so I'm in charge of knowing what assignments are open at Universal, what they're looking for, what you know, who they're hiring, that kind of thing, versus me covering Warner Brothers Television or NBC or something like that where I need to know that. You, you juggle a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. So yeah. I guess, can you speak to the idea a little bit of you know a young writer... Up, you know, you get your first agent, and I think a lot of them think that you know you get your agent, and like the door to Hollywood has just broken open. Number one, can you just speak to that idea if that's true or not? And well, I guess let's just start there because then you know I got some follow ups to that. Yeah, I I think that in terms of getting your first agent or your first rep, and and you've got you guys have done a great job in covering a lot of this in in your previous episodes. It it really. I'll push it all the way down to the basics. As a writer anywhere, USA, anywhere world, the only thing you can control is your writing and your slate and presentable projects that you have to start giving to people that can make things happen. So as somebody just starting out, what I'm always looking for is a great script. And then if I like a script, I'm asking for a second sample. So if you could have, and of course this is not an easy thing to do and, and it's subjective and it's all about a person's taste and a person's background and, and even stature within a company is you have control over, you know, these are five ideas that I think are relevant, you know, movie ideas. It's not something that was just made. It's not something that has been, you know, in development or having been tried to be made for years and years and years. It's a new angle as as to the best of your ability utilizing your voice a great story that you have 
And it's writing that script, it's getting it in the best shape, it's taking the time to get it in the best shape, and then also having another one, <laughs> which is crazy in saying it, I, I understand, but there have been situations over the years in terms of signing where I've been presented with potential clients and they have this great script, but they've been working on it for 25 years. I, I had a beloved professor who I kept in touch with and he sent me a script. And it was something he was talking about when I was a sophomore in, oh, in his class, in right. his screenwriting class, by the way. And, and he sent me a script and it's something that he has been working on his whole life. And he wasn't going to be a professional screenwriter, sadly. And, and a great guy, but that was something that was his very close project. He didn't have that second sample. He wasn't looking for the career of screenwriter. He was looking to make that movie. Is yeah. that ever something that you guys do is just do that for someone who's not going to be a client in terms of putting together. A yeah. Movie like you, if, if let's say he sent that to you and it was fantastic. It blew you away. I don't want to be a screenwriter, but this isn't clearly a movie. If it's fantastic and it blew me away and I felt like it is something that Hollywood would want or, or something that we could make and we could make a deal. Sure. I, I, I think I'd, I, I'd always, and, and, and I liked him and I knew him and I had that relationship. If it was someone that I didn't have a relationship with and said, this is this is the one, I have nothing else forever, right. um, <laughs> I don't, I, that, that'd be kind of weird. But at the same time, I've talked to people over the years who who have come to me with projects and I think about it. Yeah. Um, I haven't found that one yet where it's like, this is the one-off. I have, I have the best idea. Um, I think for me as an agent, the most satisfying thing is having people for, having clients for careers. And, and just, you know, working with them over the years on many, many different projects and many different jobs and many iterations. So I think just like focusing on the one thing is, is a little, mm -hmm. uh, little bit of a, an unusual angle. I was just going to say, we talk about that all the time. I mean, I've been in this scenario where I've been in a meeting where I was like early on and I didn't have that second script or it wasn't in a place there I felt confident sending it. And I, I learned it very quickly. I was like, oh my God. Like, I just felt so stupid after that happened. And when someone says, what else do you have? And you're like, I'm like, oh, I can send it later tonight. <laughs> and then you're like going home to like polish it up. And, and uh, so, yeah, that is, we talk about that all the time that you should always have the, the second script. Yeah. Going back to your original question, Josh, because I remember when I first signed with you all, um, I was like, my life is going to change. Like it felt like a weight had been lifted because all that time I'd been tr doing this by myself and I didn't know what I was doing and I was trying to make all these connections and trying to make things happen all by myself. And it finally felt like I was passing the ball to you guys and you were going to take it all the way. But then that really wasn't what it is because you still as a writer have to work so fucking hard because it's a team. It's now a team. It's not like you have the ball and you're running with it. It's like we're working together. So can you speak to that? Because I know a lot of writers feel that way. That is, if I just get an agent, everything will be fine. What is that actually like? I, I do think it, whether it's an agent or a manager or some combination of, of representatives who are advocating for you, it's only it, it's, it's a positive thing in most cases if you haven't had one at all. Um, unless that person is truly guiding you in a way that is, you know, unethical. <laughs> um, but ideally, you know, you, you vet enough where you're signing on with someone and at a company that, that has reputability and, you know, you may know someone who's worked with that person. You may know other people represented by that agency and you're, and you're doing your homework. It, it's a life changer in the sense that you now have a, a vehicle to propel your work to, to get your voice out into the world that you have somebody who on your behalf, it's their job 
to go through the three the, the hundreds of people that they know because it's their job to send them good material and to get you in front of people that make movies and TV. And and it's hard to do it on the outside um, unless you come from, you know, some bizarre situation where um, you've skipped the line and have become the incoming, you know, incoming phone call person who made a hit film and could just have an attorney field all the offers or could just have, you know, your, yourself. Bill Murray has people call his voicemail. But he got to that point in his career where, and he still has an agent, I think, but but he got to his point in that career where that's what he could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's important, but it's also important that you're all on the same page in, in what the expectations are and how they're doing what they're doing. That if you're a new writer and you came to an agent or manager or whomever with a um, new script and the agent then sent it you know, 50 producers and they all said, nobody, sorry, like, you know, th- these are the reads, you got a bunch of meetings, you started a process of your career, which is, which is really what it is. And then you wrote, you never wrote anything again, that what's your agent going to do mm-hmm. beyond that? If, if, if that script got you to a place where they tried to sell it, they may have set it up with a producer, it may have gone into development in a studio and it may have gotten you several good general meetings. But outside of that, it's not until the next thing that gets you out into the world that they could use to mm-hmm. either proactively sell or get you in front of people again. I mean, think about it this way. If, if you sent a script to an a, you know, A-list company, A-list production, production company, and that person um, either did, either wanted to do it or didn't, and you met them, and then there was nothing to do at that time, and then you didn't write anything for another three years or four years, or five years, and we couldn't send them something where, hey, Josh has this new thing, Tasha has this new thing, like, check it out. They go, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember Tasha, I remember Josh. And it's kind of keeping you fresh in front of them. Um, and we could do that to some extent as they have new opportunities come up, but there is like a crazy churn in terms of Hollywood creative talent that there's always new people popping up, new projects, and it's how do you stay above that fray? How do you keep going? Yeah. So it sounds like, are you a big advocate of specs? I am. Yeah. I am. As I, as I lower myself in shame. <laughs> Same. I am. <laughs> and, and, Tasha, and Tasha has written some and, you know, and she's been very busy. So sometimes it's all a balancing act of, you know, when do you have time to do it? And you shouldn't just, you know, jam one out. Of course. Um, so, so I think that I, I, I am because I've seen it where clients have, um, may have been quiet or, or went and led another life or, or started a family or did something and they came back with a spec or came back with a show pitch or a pilot and sold. And, and yeah. somebody who may have been a client for 15 years did nothing for seven and shows up with something new and game change. Changes their life. Yeah. That's what's so yeah. appealing and so awesome. I think about the entertainment industry. It's also yeah terrifying because there's that idea and you, and, I think obviously you talked about it and we, we know people who have been like, you, you go, you go quiet and then you come back and you just, you just have a life changing thing that you're like, okay, I'm ready to go again. And it just, it can happen. I don't know any other industry where that can happen. Well, I think it's also, I, I think that's totally right. And it's also something special about being a writer. You have the ability to reinvent yourself anytime, anytime. Whereas a director, an actor, there are other um, creative talents in, in our industry that are asking of the industry to employ 
them. And while we do that plenty for writers, you also have the ability to take off, write something wonderful, and you're back. It's freaking beautiful. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like some writers feel like one of the things that, that make them feel relieved when they get an agent is that now they're just going to be sending me jobs. Why isn't my agent just sending me jobs? Mark, why aren't you just sending <laughs> your your new clients jobs? Well, that's a great question. I I mean, look, a, as you both know, and I we, ex, we go through this in any signing meeting or strategy conversations with our clients on how the open writing assignment, aka job, you know, side of our industry works. And the reality is that they're super specific. They, they want super specific people writing super specific things at, at various levels of experience and or um, background or genre or relationships. And you kind of have to figure that there's a Venn diagram. There's always something to do in that, you know, our clients need to be meeting as many people that respond to their work that those producers then have open writing assignments that are looking for things, looking for a writer that writes in the genre that the open writing assignment is, that they're having a moment where the studio is paying attention to them, that they're out, not out to 10 other people or 50 other people or the top five people in our, in our business. And it's sort of creating that perfect storm scenario where we can send you the job. And, and when we can, we do, we want to, I mean, by all means, that's how we, you know, pay our bills. So it's not, it's not holding back. It is, you know, what is our ammunition to get you into that room to get you up for that job? Yeah. But it's, it's you making all those relationships, you having yeah. samples that continue to build out your network. And so you are meeting more and more people so that yes. more open writing assignments are available to you. So it is that that's, I guess, where the teamwork aspect comes in that I think when I first signed, I didn't really understand. I just yeah. thought my life's easier now. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like even as as someone new and, you know, we're obviously signing someone off of material that we're excited about, that we feel confident we could pitch, that we could share that, you know, we're, we're asking, hopefully, you know, 25 to 50 people for two hours of their time to read a script over the weekend for someone totally new. And they have to sell that person up to, if it's a job, they have to sell that person up to their boss who has to sell that person up to their boss who has to sell that person. If there's a director on it, if there's an actor on it, if there's another producer on it, Tasha's well aware of many, many, many cooks in the kitchen um, scenarios. And I think the more ammunition we have, starting with even a, you know, general meeting with a, a, young executives is super helpful. And those early generals that you take with many of my clients who I've, who I've worked with for many, many years, those relationships grow into many jobs, overall deals, you know, fruitful things if you kind of take the ball and run with it. Mm -hmm. So then can you talk about why it's important for screenwriters to then have an agent. Like there are people who just do it on their own, right? But if someone is trying to figure out, is it worth my time to, to try and get an agent um, or should I just try it on my own? What would be the argument to having an agent? Well, I think if you're talking to a writer who hasn't had one and is just starting their career, it's all about, and, and they want to work in Hollywood and they want to be on for hire projects or they want to sell their material to the marketplace then they need an agent to do that unless they somehow grew up on the lot and know everybody there or something. And yeah. that happens too. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's not necessarily 
a writer's job coming out of the gate to have the Rolodex. And, and it's not easy. And we've spent as agents decades, years, literally cultivating relationships, taking people to lunch, meeting them at film festivals, meeting, you know, going to screenings together, all for the purpose to talk about our clients. And that's, that's literally our job. So if you're a writer starting out or at any stage of your career, you ideally want advocates that are doing that for you. You may be at a later stage of your career where every your household name and and you may and you may just have an attorney or a manager or or an agent and not an attorney or manager or whatever you may have chosen one person to pay which is totally uh, you know understandable in terms of economics and um you're an incoming call business mm-hmm. what do you look for in new in new clients if or they don't even have to be up and coming maybe there's a you know unrepped client or a potential unrep client or something. Is there something that you look for in, in, in anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll always read anything. I'll always read if somebody comes to me with a script that they recommend. And that's another part of it too, is where these, where materials coming from, whether it's a manager, a producer, um, a screenplay contest, um, a, a film festival, a, a, we used to go to university, I used to go to university showcases for, you know, Columbia, NYU, Chapel Hill, USC, UCLA, and do the, the, the speed dating pitch, you know, um, which I haven't done for some time, but, but they're, they're fun. And, and they are a bunch of, you know, young writers who are, who are pitching you their ideas. And I've asked a lot for screenplays afterwards and read through a lot of material. And I think it is um, getting that script, reading that script, loving that script, and asking for the second sample and reading a second sample and going, oh, yeah, this person, th- th- they, could, they could write. Um, and it's responding to the voice. It's responding to, you know, for me, is it a movie or television show I would want to watch? I would want to see. I could spend a few years with trying to sell. Or is it a very specific story that I may love and, you know, the characters are wonderful and it's super indie, but I don't know, like, can I, can I, you know, can I really sink my teeth into that? And will the marketplace respond to this writer off that type of sample? So it's, it's a combination of many things. And I think if I like the writing, I'll usually, you know, absolutely meet anybody. And ideally you're looking for someone that wants to understand the business, wants to understand that the kind of work they're going to have to put into it for a career. Um, and that this is, it's not just, okay, you're signed, you know, here's a check for a million dollars because no, it's, it's not, not how that works. And, um, it's, it's that they're, they're coming in to the, into the scenario with an open mind and an open heart <laughs> to, to, to how this is, it's really hard. It's really hard. You two know, and 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 obviously talk a lot about the trials and tribulations of screenwriters. It's not like you're becoming a a accountant or doctor, or and not that those aren't hard careers too. But there's a path. There's there's a there's an easy path to where you know I get my MBA, I, I get hired at a big firm, I work my way up, and that's my career. It's very nebulous on how to make money regularly for the longest amount of time while being creatively fulfilled as a writer. Tell me about it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I guess real quick to follow up with that, how important is voice for you? Like for, you had mentioned it a few times, obviously, I think we, Tasha and I both think it's very important, but like, yeah. do you have a- Oh, like, it's extremely important. Yeah. Do you, yeah, no, it's, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, just to clarify, yeah, just someone's like general perspective or their their voice in in a script where you can say, hey, that's a that's Tasha's writing right there. I'm just yes cl- clarifying that for anyone listening, they don't know what I'm talking about, but I know Tasha's terrified of AI, and um, so I'm going to go in this direction for a moment. There we I, go. I I think that anyone can write to the basic format of a screenplay, and you could tell a basic story. You could mimic content that's been made voice is the one thing that will set you apart in in the scenario of being judged by a rep by a producer by actors by directors where you're saying wow this this person writes in a way that is engaging on a whole other level where i'm reading this and seeing the movie in my mind i'm laughing out loud i'm i'm smelling the smells i'm tasting the taste i'm it's not just you know room guy punches other guy you know screw you dude you know i'm not a writer so this is terrible (laughs) but but you know but but i think like it's it's really easy and it's also sometimes easy depending on um the person where people do have access to sending the format to people and i and i've read many 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 screenplays that are the format but there isn't a voice and there isn't a great voice and when you read one that has a great voice, you're like, whoa, you're, you're, you're blown away. Your afternoon is killed. You're, you're, you're either laughing or crying, um, but you're connected. Yeah. On the flip side, if you received a script that just had voice, but they clearly didn't have a handle on structure or even what a marketable movie was, maybe like you can tell there's some greenery there. Um, is that still someone that you will engage with? Sometimes. I've tried. Um, yeah. And and sometimes it works and sometimes they're not ready. And I think that that's, you know, everybody has their own journey. And I've read some scripts where I'm like, whoa, that's like a, that's a play. Um, or it's something that is just not ever makeable, but it's brilliant and it's refreshing and, and new. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you try to get in there and say, this is how movies are and this is how TV is and how do you want to do that? They may not have an answer right away, mm-hmm. which is okay. And I think that's a journey. And I've seen a lot of those um, types of writers and creators come around. It just, everybody has their own path. Yeah. It's very kind of you. <laughs> it's very kind of you. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Mark is very polite is what I'm saying. <laughs> everybody has a different perspective on, their arrival in Hollywood or the system or how they want to work within it. And there are plenty of filmmakers or writers who may be able to write something or produce a film in their, in their home country where the government pays for it or some, something is different within their system that they're able to make their art and, and they, and they do suffer for that art and they, and they produce something that's incredible and it takes them 10 years or 20 years or whatever to do it. And who knows how that works within what we do. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes they don't want to For sure. go write, you know, whatever sequel, prequel, spinoff or, you know, so on. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask sort of a, I guess, process question that something you said much earlier reminded me of in terms of um, writers who aren't me, who are sending you specs and log lines and developing stuff at early stages. Um, I guess 
what do you prefer? Or what do you feel like is maybe um, the most productive for your clients? Is it that they're sending you log lines at a very early stage and sending you or practicing their pitches with you and sending you outlines? Is, is that the most successful or does it really just depend on the writer? It, it absolutely depends on the writer. I work with some writers who are, are, are more, you know, experienced and they're like, I'm not telling you, I'm not doing a practice pitch for you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And then I work for some others who are like, oh yeah, like, can you see it tomorrow? And then I'll come back the following day and they'll do it until they feel it's ready to go and write. And I think it's, it's a comfort level. It's an experience level. As far as what I like, I, I like to know everything. <laughs> um, the worst nightmare of most agents, I think, is a script showing up on their desk on a Monday that you just knew nothing about. That you're just like, hey, I went off and I took the past six months of my life and I wrote this and here you go. Good luck. Uh -huh. um, and, and by the way, it's the best thing in the world and I poured <laughs> my heart and soul into it. And it's about, you know, zombie teddy bears on, you know, Xenon 5. And you're Jeez. like, uh-huh, okay, <laughs> great. Um, and, and it's scary and it's scary. And, and by the way, like you want whomever you're working with to be involved in your process and bought in and I, you know i or whomever receives that project has to pick up the phone 50 times and pitch it and with a straight face and be received well and get people to then in turn spend 2 hours of their weekend reading it and considering it and i think you know on that note it, it is good to just hear what you're excited about like he, if there are five log lines if you're thinking about your slate it's good to just be talking about those stories they you tend to clearly show your hand and and be, and be like, yeah, there's these five, but number three, number three, and 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 we usually pick up on that. But if number three is something that we tried to sell something similar and and just spent the past six months trying to get it going, and for X, Y, and Z, it didn't happen, or three studios are developing that particular story, or you can never get the life rights to that person, or the book rights, or a myriad of reasons we're going to, we'll try to tell you like, Hey, if you're going to spend all this time to go sell something, these are the odds. And we just want the odds to be in your favor. So, I, I, so that said, if you're super passionate about it, we'll figure it out, but you also have to know that the odds are the odds. Yeah. I feel like you guys are very good at that. I, I've definitely known a lot of writers whose managers or agents will say, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that because of all the reasons you just said versus I feel like Gersh is, you're always like, well, these are, this is the backstory to why that's probably not a good idea. Um, but if you love it, like go for it. Sure. <laughs> like I just had a general where I, I pitched uh, an idea about like demon hunters and they were like, yeah, we have like 50 demon hunter stuff. I was like, <laughs> cool, but I'm still going to write yeah. it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the demon hunters are popular. Yes. Um, and, and you know, look, <laughs> Go do your Demon Hunter show. No. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Um, and, and that's the other side of it where our job in, in, in coverage and the meetings we sit in and, you know, what we do all day is literally hearing everything on every studio's slate. And, and we sit around a table, go one by one, and we also hear from our colleagues from, uh, on, on what they're taking out of other clients. And we just know what's in the marketplace and what is, is going on. And we, you know, that is helpful information to then use for our own uh, uh, guidance for our clients to say, 
yeah, you know, I, I, there's a big writer we represent and their agent just went out with something, the story of Colonel Sanders and Colonel Sanders, you know, <laughs> no, nobody wanted it because the Colonel's estate sued and you may, you may need to, but anyway, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 uh, the Colonel is litigious. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just a good heads up. So you don't go deep dive into the, into the bucket. Do you ever tell your clients, absolutely do not do this. Like this is, it's a terrible idea or because of all these reasons, I'd, I'd say no. Or do you, do you, do you always say what you say to me? <laughs> there, there are a handful of times where clients have said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this with this person. And it's based on this where I was like, no, <laughs> Because it's like, hey, you know, I'm remaking The Godfather with my dad and, you know, and blah. And it's like, eh, no, like you can't, you, you can't do it. So yeah. the, that said, you know, if, if they're going to argue all the reasons why and keep on it and continue to be on it, I'm listening. And, and if they go and write it, I will do whatever I can to do it. But ultimately, I'm looking out for them. And do they want me to send out? a remake of the Godfather with their dad producing to 50 producers. Like, does that help them maintain a career? Yeah. I don't know. Well, actually this brings up a side question for me because when you read the blacklist, for example, a lot of scripts on there will never get made because they're about Vince McMahon and he will never allow his rights to be whatever. Like all these, all these movies, but they're sent out there because I think, and you can fill in the gaps for me, but it feels like they're sent out there because they do have a voice. They are really exciting and it gets people excited about your client. But I mean, is there another reason why these, cause I feel like I send you a, a, a script about the WWE, which I would never be able to actually produce. You might get mad at me. <laughs> so why did I do that? No, I, I think that there are some cases and, you know, obviously, if there's the right angle and these movies are produced by public figures or known IP or things that we could navigate in terms of rights that are important stories to tell. And if there is that, you know, story about somebody who is, you know, a public figure that created great controversy or drama, then and you have this you have the way in to write that movie, by all means, yes. And I've worked with writers who spent years in um, getting in the good graces of public figures or people that were in the news years ago or or that had a compelling story, and they just kind of did it. They 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 got buy-in, and even though they may not need legal buy-in in some st- in some instances, they charmed the subject and were able to do it and do it well. So I, it's it's completely dependent on the situation and scenario. And some of the best movies and television are based on real life stories and and people and i would never discourage it but i but i would be upfront in saying you know this one probably not so much for these reasons mm-hmm. if your client ever comes to you and says i have this idea and i really want to be on the blacklist is that something you hear and you're like what or is that something that you're like okay let's explore this i i i wouldn't do anything for the purpose of being on any list um i i think my purpose is to sell your, 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 your script and get it set up and, and career. So no, I, I wouldn't say don't go write something to be on a list or, or, or in a contest or on a website, you know, again, like they're, they're important tools in amplifying your voice, your material, your content, your profile. And I think that is all worthy. If you want to go through a, um, 
we've had clients who did put their script through like the Sundance Lab or or went through the Nichols Fellowship or um, or the Blacklist or or a number one of contests or or, or um, festivals. And I think all of that is great for profile. It just depends on what in some cases and what do you have to do to do it. And we could hopefully advise on if it's worth it. Right. Yeah. That's also helpful too, by the way, and I, I don't do this and I should, of of sending your agents early looks at things because they can sort of help guide. If you're, if you're passionate about all five ideas, you're going to write one of these regardless. They can at least point you to the one that makes the most sense and here's why. Because at the end of the day, it is a business and you do need to sell it or why did you just spend the last six months doing that? Totally, totally. And, and there are some reps that have told their clients like, no, no, you only write horror and and you only write it this way and this is what you're known for. And I, I don't think that needs to be severe. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's let's just be thoughtful because we recognize that it's your time and you're creating a product that we could hopefully sell. Yeah. I think on another episode when we have a whole hour to explore it, I'd love to get into that kind of conversation that clients can have with their rep, which is, um, you know, how do we talk about my career? How do we look at my career? And sort of what is what is the best path for me, given this is the thing that I like to do? So that feels like it's whole whole other other topic. Um, but I'm excited to do that one. <laughs> sure. Um, I guess another question that that comes up a lot since this is sort of our very first introductory uh, agent interview, Mark, um, is is how do you get an agent? That's the thing that everyone wants to know. And you mentioned that you would always go to festivals. And I remember you and I had dinner once at Sundance. Like how, where can, can people who are writing, who do have two samples, who do have a voice, like where can they find agents? I, I alluded to this a little earlier in, th there are many outlets, whether they are um, screenwriting contests, festivals, um, your college showcases or programs or summer programs where you could put a script through some sort of system that is ultimately leading to an event or program or outlet where someone has outreach to reps and 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 or people in the industry. And I think as a writer starting out, it's on you to really identify what are 10 of those things and or more or 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 less if if you, you know, want to if, if you play that way, um, to get your script into those things, to get them into the hands of people that could get them into the hands of other people that will read you. I think something that is great usually finds its way. Um, a, a great writer living anywhere, I think that gets their script through something that gets eyeballs on it. And it just takes one assistant somewhere to read something to flag to their boss or to flag to someone else or to flag and it kind of hopefully catches fire. That comes to us that way. I've signed clients through a myriad of of, of ways, whether they were former assistants who were, who were writers or, or some are now clients, or I read scripts that were on our weekend read that were um, looking to package or, or somehow got your producer and are looking for a director, but they don't have an agent. And I read the script and I liked the script and I pursued it that way. Or managers or attorneys or producers read something and you know sent it my way. I think it is just getting your material into the hands of as many people as possible that are peers within the Hollywood system. Sometimes that will require a writer as Tasha did and Josh may have done as well, um, working at a studio or an agency or at a production company to where 
yes, writing is not your day job, but you're interacting with people who work with writers. And, and at some point that person can help you start to, you know, pass out your material to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important. I, 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 love being out in Los Angeles and I feel like it's so important to be in kind of circles of people yeah. who are always kind of talking about the things that you like and love and, and get to know people and, Hey, Oh yeah, Mark, uh, you know, can you like, just like that casual interaction is mm-hmm. like only possible in certain areas, you know? So it's, I, that's why I love being here. Not to say you have to, but just saying that's what I love about it. I, I think if you want to work in the business of Hollywood and it's your goal and ambition to have a years long career as a screenwriter, then you need to be ideally in New York or LA, probably LA and starting out for sure. And you may have options later on. And I have clients who now live in the woods in New England and, you know, Hawaii and random places where, yeah, they, they're like, I'm I'm, I'm done. (laughs) I've lived in, you know, Echo Park for 20 years and I don't need it now. And, but I think in terms of, the first chapter or, or third of your career, yeah, it's so important because everything we do is in this ecosystem of word of mouth and and it's reputational and it's it's um you're you're you you have to meet people. You have to you have to just like it's networking and yeah. it is um and writers are are not necessarily prone to want to network and that's why this is probably the hardest part of your career where you're yes. that's doing why we that need you on guys. top of writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think once once you've reached that hurdle um, and have and have networked until the point where you have a rep who is doing some of the networking on your behalf, then you know it makes it a little easier. But I would say even at that stage, and and you two both know this well too, is is that it's still networking, and you're still you know playing nice with producers and executives, and you want them to think of you when they have a job or or when you have something new to bring to them. Do you, however, have clients who are not? based in LA who are at the earlier third of their career who are somehow making it work? As I stare off into the distance. <laughs> um, Tasha's just trying I, to get out I've of stumped here. him. She's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think at the very early stages, no. But these past few years have been so crazy with, um, you know, pandemic and strikes and the, the dawn of Zoom. But, you know, even at that, even on the whole Zoom front, I'm noticing that meetings are starting to kind of trickle their way back into being in person. And I think people are valuing that connection. And look, for a business that is so subjective and you have to jump through so many hurdles to be hired, the effort of driving across Los Angeles to you know, a general meeting is appreciated, I think, at the end of the day when mm-hmm. that person could sit down and go, I could hire one of 200 people. We whittled it down to 20. We whittled it down to 10. I just worked with this person who didn't get the last job. This person just drove across LA and I really liked them. And they sat in my office and we joked and they have a dog and I have a dog and their, and their sample was amazing. It, it makes a difference, right? Yeah. So, so I think it's important to just consider that that's part of your career in, in being here and, and networking and meeting people face to face and putting yourself out there in that way too. I think that's very well said. I do too. Thank you. I only have one last question. Josh, do you want to jump in with anything? I have a one last question. It's a heavy Go. one. Go. I'm just out of left field. Uh-oh. Oh gosh. <laughs> Mark just turned beet red. <laughs> Are you optimistic about the industry? I, I, I am. I am. I could be a pessimistic person, but I'm optimistic about the industry. 
I think even though the past few years have been crazy and it's terrifying to read that we're at sort of a historic unemployment level in Hollywood and we've just been through a lot, um, I think people still do love movies and television and entertainment. And there's a lot of money and there are a lot of eyeballs and there's content coming from around the world, but Hollywood has always been a superpower and huge influence on culture in, in the US and around the world. And I think we're kind of coming out of a bit of a, you know, haze of, of a few years and we have to kind of wake up. But some of the best eras of creativity and entertainment out of Hollywood have been similar in 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 you know coming out of the seventies and and or coming out of the sixties into the seventies or or the 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 you know moving to sound and 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 the advent of television and I think it's an exciting time to just be holding ourselves up to a higher standard and and the system kind of did fall off its you know axis <laughs> and um but I think we just got to get it back on you know I love that that's a lot of optimism I love it. <sighs> I'll ingest that and take it as my own. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff to watch, right? Yeah, um, there is. Yeah. I weirdly feel optimistic as well. I, I do. I, it's just like, even though with all these, for all those reasons, and there's things going on in the world, and but at the end of the day, I'm like, I love Los Angeles. I love the entertainment industry. I love this. I have a five-year-old who last night at dinner started asking us about um, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and um, Chewbacca. And some some other little girl in his class, I guess, has been indoctrinated into Star Wars at five uh-huh. and nice. brought in a book. And he was asking us all about the characters and the different stories. And and my wife and I, who love Star Wars and love movies, but aren't like, you know, fanatical about it, we're both kind of smiling because it's like, damn, like this is something that was made like nearly yeah. you know, 50 years ago mm-hmm. and is so relevant and so special. And now this whole new generation is... So, so tell, tell me about R2-D2 and like, why does, you know, <laughs> and why does, uh, is Chewbacca a bad guy? I kind of like Darth Vader <laughs> and we're like, yeah. okay, um, but how cool is that? Like, yeah, and, and, and there's cool. just, you know, it, it has staying power and I think there's just more to come. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, Mark. I love you. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Right back at you. And you too, Josh. Yeah. I love you too. okay my last question to sort of wrap things up is just sort of an an overall question of what you wish writers knew about getting an agent um what do i wish that they knew whether it's like a myth you want to dispel for them or just something you want to impart to them if they're trying and it's it's just too hard or they want to give up or they just don't know where to go like any any anything to that respect well i think Communication is really important. And at any stage of your relationship with your agent, just being as open as you possibly can about your the direction of your career, your desires, your what you're doing, and that you're just on the same page is, is really important. And, you know, starting out, I don't know if there's a myth I should dispel. Um, we're not that intimidating. We shouldn't be. <laughs> and and I think like 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 the the image of agents is, you know, the Ari Gold stapler throwing um insane person. And there are some people that still exist, you know, that that behave that way. But ultimately, you just have to find the person you click with and the person that understands you and your work and is you just know that they're going to work very hard on your behalf and believe in you. And I think that there's a lot of people that are intimidated 
by agents and by people in entertainment, by people in entertainment in general. I mean, I think when I started, I was scared to call certain people. And I remember like, oh man, that person is the producer is like the, is their name is on the wall at the company. Like you, wait, you want me to call the SVP of, and it's intimidating because you're like, oh, that person like made, you know, this movie or makes this show and they're a big deal. And I think that there's, there's a little bit of that with, with writers starting out and, and anybody starting out in the business where they need to kind of come to a point where, yes, there are, you know, mega producers and celebrities and people that are intimidating, but you also have to find your place in the industry where you're comfortable and you have as much to bring to the table as they do. I love that. I love that, especially because a big reason I got my first uh, assistant job at Universal was because previous assistant was bad at talking to agents because he was so afraid. And I was someone who was less afraid. But I do have to say, once I got into the job, one of the calls I hated to make the most was to call an agent because <laughs> I, I felt like they, their desks were very intimidating. <laughs> but but I, I, like, I like that dispelling the myth because a big reason the reason I ended up signing with Gersh was because I didn't get that feeling from Gersh. Like everyone else, I got this, like, we are trying to be intimidating. We are trying to play the suit. And that was never what Gersh was. It was like, let's form a relationship and a partnership and see where we can go. And I agree too. That's something I advocate is that's the best agent to find. Um, so I love that answer is all I have to say. Oh, good. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. I'm glad. <laughs> Pass the test. And, and by the way, it, it is tricky because I've also been in signing situations and there's quotes that I can't repeat because they're profane, but, you know, where even the potential client was like, I need like you to be, you know, mm-hmm. this person. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. And, and obviously there are situations where if we're negotiating a deal, if we're, you know, working on your behalf to help navigate a conflict of, we you know, we're not going to demure. We're not going to be uh, um, weak in those situations. But at the same time, half of our, I was, you know, a, a, a majority of our job is there's no need for, you know, right. <laughs> insanity. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and also you just want people to call you back and it is that easy for you to um, deal with someone that, you, you know, you felt like you could, treat them a certain way and they just may never want to call you back. That's a great point. That's you can't be an point. asshole. Right. <laughs> They'll never then, call you and back. And then they're the head of Netflix the next day. And <laughs> you're like, true. oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. That's all we got yeah. for you, Mark. That was awesome. Thank you for just, I think it's like starting at the bottom and working your way up through agency yeah, talk. I, uh, it's awesome. Super Great. Well, it was fun. It was fun. I'm, I'm less intimidated now. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm never going to listen to the episode, but um, <laughs> right. I just, I can't put myself through that. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> I hate listening as well. <laughs> um, but I'm impressed that I'm impressed that you two do this weekly. It's, it's very impressive. Thank you, yeah. Mark. Thank you. Thank We're you. impressed too, because God, how do we do it? <laughs> Um, Okay, quote of the day. (laughs) I would advise anyone who aspires to a writing career that before developing his talent, he would be wise to develop a thick hide. Harper Lee. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act 2 Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram. Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Mark, I'm (laughs) I'm assuming you're going to be like, pass. (laughs) Unless... 
you have any social media? I'll say good night and good luck. No social go. media. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> As always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. 